0: Welcome to another episode of the Natal Naturopath Podcast. I'm your host, Melanie, and thanks for joining in again. So, this episode is being released on a Tuesday. And today we are flying to Cairns with the girls. So, obviously, I record episodes in advance, but I know when I'm releasing this episode. So, today we are flying to Cairns, spending a few nights in Palm Cove, and then we're spending a few nights in Fitzroy Island, on Fitzroy Island, so an island close to the coast of Cairns, which I'm so excited about because the last time we went to Fitzroy Island, I was pregnant with a twin. So, it's kind of special to come back when they're four and a half and do that with them. And Fitzroy Island is one of the most beautiful places I've been, such a special island. Um, it has this beautiful beach that's been voted like number one best beach in Australia a few times and it's called Nudie Beach. There's no nudes, don't know why it's called that. But last time we went to Fitzroy Island, I couldn't get to Nudie Beach because it involved so much physical activity going through like a forest hiking up rocks and I was like 28 weeks pregnant with the twins and I couldn't barely even walk five meters so I remember looking at the path getting there and I was like there's no way this will take me so long and I'll be in so much pain and then there was a really really long walk to get there if we went a different way and we'd miss our ferry so I remember I was like oh my god is this the last time I'm going to be first and last time on Fitzroy Island And I'm not even going to get to go to Nudie Beach. So this time I'm so excited to do that with Willow, Hunter and River and Scott. And then we are also then going off Fitzroy Island and staying a few nights in Port Douglas because of course you have to stay in Port Douglas when you're up that way. I've been there a few times, so I wasn't that fussed about going to Port Douglas again, but it's just the most family-friendly place to be. And I know the kids will have so much fun. Um, We're going to go to the Daintree Rainforest. We're going to do the croc tours, of course. Lots and lots of resort time. And yeah, just excited for the weather. That's all I'm for is just heat. Give me the heat, please, God. Now, on to the episode. So we are going through... Copper IUD and the marina. So that's what I'm outlining today. Now, I did do a, another podcast episode on the pill. So this was. I don't know what number episode um, it is, but it was released last July. So if you just scroll back to my latest uh, my episodes in 2022, the episode is called "The Power of Ovulation, Magic of Progesterone, and Breaking Up with the Pill." So that's more to do with the pill, explaining what the pill's doing, and talking about suppressing ovulation. Why we need ovulation, what does progesterone do, and why does our body need it, even if we are not interested in having a baby. So this episode is just focused on copper IUD pros and cons, Marina pros and cons, and my favorite contraceptive methods, because I do get asked this question a lot on Instagram. Like, what do you think of the copper IUD? What do you think of the Marina? If you had to rate them, what would you pick as best, um, comparison comparing to the pill things like that. So I thought I would just go through and outline everything and then you can make your own informed decision. Of course. So If I start on the copper AUD, so the copper AUD is non hormonal, whereas the marina is a hormonal contraception like the pill. So the copper AUD is non hormonal, meaning it doesn't affect your hormones, which is a really huge pro. It's the biggest pro I think that it has because it permits normal and healthy ovulation, and that's a really bloody good thing because ovulation is how we make progesterone and we need progesterone. Hence why I suggest you do listen to that episode that I mentioned before because it gives a little bit of context about why we need to ovulate even when we don't want a baby. So this is why I do not mind the copper IUD as much as the Marina which I'll go through. Now, the non-hormonal copper uterine device, IUD, is a small T-shaped plastic device wrapped up in copper with two little strings. Now, the copper IUD keeps sperm from fertilizing an egg. It does affect how sperm travels in the area and it produces an inflammatory re- reaction locally that is toxic to sperm and eggs preventing pregnancy. can also change your endometrial lining And I was reading and it did say that it slowly releases copper into the uterus, which is how it keeps sperm from fertilizing an egg. Okay, so that's how it's working. It's a very local – if we think about where it's affecting us, if we think about the marina, that's a whole systemic body being affected. Your whole hormonal system is affected, same as the pill. The copper AUD is much more of a local – Uh, What am I going to say? A local. It's only affecting you in that area. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Now, so like I said, the copper AED is toxic to both egg and sperm, which then stops sperm from fertilizing the egg. Also, can slow the transport of the egg to delay sperm and um, sperm and egg meeting, and also changes the lining of your uterus to make it unable to support a fertilized egg. Now. Um, it does permit natural ovulatory cycles, which I love, and it is very, very effective. So it states that the failure rate is just 0.6%. So highly effective. So that's a 99.4% success rate or effectiveness. So after insertion, you don't need to do anything, take anything, nothing, and it can last up to 10 years. So it's much longer lasting than the Marina. And it's completely different to the pill that you need to take every day. Now, fertility returns to normal as soon as you remove it. So they say, I don't know whether that's been definitely tested as such, like in a at a clinic sense, they say the same about the pill, they say the same about the marina. Yet we know that these things do sometimes affect your fertility initially until your cycle sort of regulates and things like that. However, because the copper IUD is non-hormonal, this would absolutely be less impactful on your fertility and your hormonal cycle because it doesn't have an effect. I was just thinking that it might take a little bit of time once the copper IUD has been taken out to potentially have your uterine lining come back to the way it was and things like that. Um, especially because the copper IUD does change the lining of your uterus. So maybe that would be the only thing it does. I don't have any evidence or proof of that. That was just my thought process there. Uh, it's the most popular method of birth control in the world and it can be used while breastfeeding. So that's really good. It doesn't carry the risk of side effects such as blood clots or anything like that, which are just related to hormonal birth control methods. So it's less risk and it also states sort of when i was researching it has the highest rate of user satisfaction of any contraceptive method and it also can be used as emergency contraception so if you have an oopsie i think i was saying you can be having an a copper UD inserted up to 5 days post oopsie and this could be effective so that was pretty amazing all right, so now onto the cons. So, insertion can be painful and uncomfortable. Um, I've heard it can absolutely be painful, but it is in, it's like an in office procedure. It's not surgery, it takes a few minutes. So, that, that might be well worth it, you know, um, if we're looking at how little it can affect your body. Now, they say that the cramping you do initially get some cramping after copper IUD and it can continue for a couple of weeks after insertion. And then you may experience more pain with your periods. So more than 30% of copper IUD users report more period pain at first, but then they do say it reduces over 12 months. Okay. Your periods might also very, very likely, this is well supported, um, your periods will probably be heavier and you might experience spotting between periods. So copper IUDs increase your blood flow by about 20 to 50% for the first 12 months after insertion. And then periods can return to normal in some women, but not all. This is so important to weigh up for you. If you are someone that has iron deficiency on and off, or you already have heavy periods, or you have like adenomyosis, endometriosis, things like that, This will not be a good choice for you because we do not want to increase your blood flow of course if you're already suffering from extreme blood loss. And if you're someone that's constantly iron deficient on and off and you're trying to work on it, I don't think this would be a good choice if it's going to potentially increase your blood loss even more. Copper IUD has also been shown to be impactful on the vaginal microbiome and it actually doubles your risk of bacterial vaginosis. So that's something really significant to consider. If you're someone that suffers from vaginal microbiome concerns like recurrent thrush, BV, it might actually worsen this or leave you at more risk of the, well, it does leave you at more risk of bacterial vaginosis. So it's just something to consider if that's you. Although in bearing in mind you can book a consultation with us to work on your vaginal health we do have access to sending you off to get a vaginal microbiome swab done a kit which tests all the different levels of bacteria good bacteria bad bacteria and we can really figure out what we need to work on and personalize treatment towards you, for you so there is just know there are things you can do to minimize that The copper IUD might also come out and if it does come out and you didn't realize, then obviously you could become pregnant, but signs of expulsion includes pain spotting and then the absence or the lengthening of that string that hangs below your cervix. Now there's a high risk of developing pelvic inflammatory disease, but only if you have gonorrhea or chlamydia already. So just get an STD check prior to getting your copper IUD inserted. Now, the thought There is thought that it could cause copper excess. Okay. But from what I found, the amount of copper that potentially is released from the IUD is really small compared to the amount we would obtain from foods like dark chocolate. Copper excess is going to be much more likely if you have a problem with your zinc levels. If you're deficient in zinc, your copper levels could already be in excess and are more likely to become excessive. So that's something to note that you might want to check in on your zinc levels, maybe take a zinc supplement so often. But it also isn't suitable for you if you do have a disorder that causes too much copper to accumulate in your liver, brain and vital organs, which is called Wilson's disease. So if you have Wilson's disease, you are not eligible to get the copper AUD, okay? So then that obviously leads me to believe that there is that risk of copper being released from the area, going systemically. So that's something to consider whether you want to go down that path. Also, it doesn't protect against STIs and it is not suitable if you have a pelvic infection like pelvic inflammatory disease and it is not suitable if you have any uterine abnormalities like large fibroids. So it would be something I would be getting a full health check prior to getting um, the copper IUD, just even an ultrasound to check that everything's okay, a blood test to check your copper levels are okay, things like that might just put your mind at ease that it's for you. Okay, so that's the copper AUD. Now let's go on to the marina. So I'm going to go with pros first this time. Okay, so pros it dramatically decreases menstrual flow, which is the opposite of the copper IUD. So the copper IUD increases your menstrual flow, Marina dramatically decreases it. So this is fantastic for people that are suffering with unexplainable heavy bleeding, or they don't have the time or energy to be investigating their heavy bleeding. I personally do lack a root cause approach and trying to understand what is driving your heavy bleeding, but sometimes it's unexplainable. Or sometimes the cause is very hard to be treating, and it takes finances and energy and all of that. So, you know, then the marina could be really beneficial to you. Um, it can also relieve symptoms of endometriosis. So, if you have really significant endo, the pill or the marina will be recommended to you because it can really impact your. Um, it can be so so beneficial for your symptoms if they're debilitating. Now. Unlike the pill, which shuts down ovulation and your hormones, chemical menopause, okay, that Marina does not completely do this. So it does not completely shut down ovulation and hormones. Officially, it doesn't suppress ovulation at all. But then there was a study found that it does suppress ovulation in 85% of cycles during the first year when the dose of that drug is higher. So the drug, the active drug is called leaven or dress dre- trill sorry tongue twister and then in 15 percent of cycles after the first year it can suppress ovulation so remember ovulation is so beneficial because it's the only way we make progesterone as women so remembering that this is going to impact your cycles and your ovulation far more than the copper iud which doesn't at all okay now the marina has a lower dose of the contraceptive drugs, other than uh, in comparison to the pill, and it's more—it's very, very effective. Okay, the marina's got a really high success rate. Now, let's go through the cons because there's a few. So, it releases that contraceptive drug I spoke about called levonorgestrel, which is not progesterone. Okay, so don't be fooled into thinking that just because it's got something that is like progesterone, that it is progesterone. Now, the systemic effects of this that have been well-documented include the potential for acne, hair loss on your head, excessive hair growth on your face, depression, anxiety, headaches, breast pain, yeast infections, and weight gain. Now, it absolutely damages the the vaginal microbiome, and it does increase the risk of yeast infections like thrush and BV. Okay. So this is really, this is really important to talk about that. There are side effects of the Marina in some women. And I hate the gaslighting that comes with taking the pill or the Marina where women are like, Oh my God, I don't feel right since I've been on this. I've gained all this weight. I've got really like headaches constantly, or I'm really moody. I feel like I'm going psycho. I don't feel it myself. And they go to the GP and it's like, Oh no, no, no that couldn't be the Marina or the pill. That's that's not going to be happening. That's absolutely unrelated. It's like, this is just gaslighting because it's it's been shown that this does have potential side effects. So you need to redo these side effects and go, okay, am I willing to risk that? Um, cons, again, like I mentioned, it suppresses ovulation some of the time. So you're going to be ovulating less, which means less progesterone long-term, which isn't good. And why it's not good is in that previous podcast episode I spoke about. It can also cause irregular bleeding and spotting during the first three to six months of use. And then after that, it might completely suppress bleeding or just permit a light period. If you actually do get a period on the marina, it is a real period. Unlike the pill, when you bleed, that is a fake period. It's not a period at all. So if you do bleed on the marina, that means that you've ovulated that cycle. That's a real period. That means your hormones are going well. Okay. The marina is risky if you're breastfeeding. So there's a greater chance of IUD expulsion and uterine perforation when breastfeeding. So that's something to note because the copper IUD doesn't carry that risk. So chance of perforation is 0.5%, but it is, sorry, Sorry, I got that wrong. Chance of perforation is 0.1%, but it is much more likely during breastfeeding. Then the chance of expulsion is 5%, but more likely immediately following childbirth and during breastfeeding. Now that active drug I spoke about in the marina, it actually does enter breast milk and it can reach baby. So that's something very important to note as well. Hormonal IUDs can be painful, same as copper IUDs, and they can cause ovarian cysts in 5% of users. Hormonal, hormonal IUDs, Marina, can cause pelvic inflammatory disease, but only during the first three weeks after insertion, and again, only if you have a pre existing infection like gonorrhea or chlamydia. Um, again, they cannot protect against STIs, STDs, and they must be removed and inserted by a doctor. So, bottom line hormonal IUDs are going to be affecting hormones slightly. However, they don't suppress ovulation all of the time. So that impact is a bit more minimal than the pill, which is suppressing ovulation all the time. So the marina can permit natural cycling, which is good. And then then overall, you know, they're very convenient, highly effective, and the best benefits that I can see is that they dramatically reduce menstrual blood flow and pain, therefore very beneficial for those with endo. However. I don't. Uh, what was I? So sorry. So uh, what I wanted to go on actually to say is that compared to the pill, the marina delivers a lower dose of contraceptive drug. The blood level of levonorgestrel in marina users is about the one tenth of pill users. So that's a lot less of that of that drug there, which is better. The less, the better. Hey unfortunately though even that low dose can cause side effects so don't be fooled in thinking that it couldn't it still can um but it's a better option than the pill in my opinion okay now the bottom line i love the advantages of reducing the menstrual flow and help relieving the pain of endo and adenomyosis so in those circumstances this could actually be the best choice But I don't love how it is hormonal and that it can suppress your menstrual cycle because I don't think it's okay to suppress your menstrual cycle unless there is a medical reason that we need to, like endo, like adenomyosis, okay? So remembering the best reason to ovulate monthly is because ovulation is how we women make our hormones, So I do want to encourage you to consider picking a contraceptive method that does allow for that. But obviously there are circumstances where we don't want to have a menstrual cycle anymore and that's okay too. So I do... Prefer non-hormonal methods of contraception. Okay, so like the Copper AUD. But my favorite picks, my top picks, these have the least impact on your body. They're gonna be condoms, cycle tracking, things like doing um, there's the daisy contraceptive device, temp drop. There's so many in Australia now. These are little devices that are gonna be tracking your temperature to measure your fertility on particular days based on the fact that our temperature increases ever so slightly after we ovulate. So it's going to know um, there's going to be a temp change prior to ovulation and then after. So it's really, uh, really quite, they're quite accurate actually. So I don't personally have one of those. They're really expensive and I know my cycles. So my cycle is the same every single month. I know what are my fertile days, what are my fine days. So we use condoms on our, on my fertile days and we don't use condoms on my non-fertile days. I've got that down pat. If you don't have your cycle down pat, cycle tracking is very, very difficult because you have no idea when you're ovulating. So if you are an irregular ovulator or an irregular period person, this wouldn't be a good choice for you. And I would say condoms all the time or the copper IUD or the marina. It's totally up to you. But those, I hope that sort of cleared up the things that they do, the pros and cons and what I personally Feel is best. I would really rank things. If I had to, if I had to rank them, I would say, um, from least impact to most impact on the body. The least impact is cycle tracking condoms, the Daisy, then the copper ID. Then if I move up the ladder into more impactful on the body, we've got the Marina and then the most impactful on the body is the pill. That's my opinion. But remember, it's all about making an informed decision for you, and we're all so different. So I can't tell you what's best, and neither can a doctor. You just need to weigh up all of those differences and pick what's best for you. I hope you liked this episode, and I hope it was helpful. Please share it with a friend or a family member that you think could really benefit, especially teenagers. Teenagers need to be educated on what are different types of contraceptions, what are they doing? Because I remember when we We're going through high school. All of us were on the pill and none of us knew what it was doing. I honestly can confidently say none of my girlfriends and I, I know I didn't, none of my girlfriends knew what the pill was doing to their body, that it was suppressing ovulation, suppressing your hormones. And you know what? Even if we knew, I don't think we would have cared because we were not explained properly why we need to ovulate. What is progesterone doing? What are these hormones doing for you long-term? Why do we need them every month? And if someone had have actually outlined that, then potentially we would have been making different choices with our contraception. All right. Now I just wanted to highlight for anyone looking for more education from me, head over to my website, www.thenadornatropath.com.au forward slash pages forward slash resources. Okay. Hop onto that page. That's my resources page. That's where I have a range of webinars, eBooks, and digital downloads that are going to help support you and your health. So I've got a PCOS webinar that I just did. These are all re-recorded. They're all already, the live version's already been done and these are recorded replays. So you can access them anytime. So I've got a PCOS one. I've got a postpartum depletion webinar. I've got a preparing for pregnancy webinar preparing for postpartum webinar and then an underactive thyroids webinar. So there's those. And then I have a few eBooks and digital downloads, like my blood test cheat sheet, a pregnancy care ebook, a sperm and egg quality ebook. So have a look over there. And then of course I've got so many blogs on my natal journal. So if you go on my website up the top, there's a little link that says natal journal, and I've got heaps and heaps of blogs on different topics up there as well. And of course you can always book a consultation with either myself, Alexa, and Bella. I just wanted to outline that because a couple of people have said like, oh, how do we work with you? And there are so many different ways to work with us. There is very inexpensive ways with low cost, which is my eBooks. We've got the webinars, like I mentioned, appointments, supplements, and then there's so much free advice on my Instagram and my natal journal. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will be coming to you next week, even though I'm away, but I will have pre-recorded because I'm so organized lately. (laughs) Okay. Have a lovely week.